What's up to all my listeners out there? My name is Lindsay, and thank you so much for checking out the Amwin Podcast. I know this episode is a little longer than normal, but it's totally worth the listen because we've got one take rolling Uncle James with us today. I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys today where we preview the NBA Finals matchup starting today on Tuesday featuring the Bucks versus Suns. I don't want to make this episode any longer, so we're going to get right into it. So I'm so excited to have James here with us today for our special finals preview. Why don't you say hi? Hi, Lindsay. Hi. So we're going to get right into talking about the two teams in our finals matchup, the Suns and the Bucks. And actually, a fun fact, nobody on either roster has ever won a championship before. So there will be a lot of new NBA champions champions coming into the champion circle. So during the regular season, Phoenix won the two games against Milwaukee, but only by one point, which could foreshadow what these finals games do look like. But obviously, a lot of teams change their matchups and what they want to do throughout the season. And with the whole Giannis thing going on, there could be a lot of different things happening throughout the finals. So to start, we're going to start talking about the Bucks first. So do we think Giannis will play? Do we not think Giannis will play? Or like, even if he does play, will he be at 100%? I feel like we should just like baseline it to start like what the rest, because it's very hard with whether Giannis is going to play or not will impact a lot of decisions. So what do you think, James? Yeah, I agree that that's probably the best place to start. I would think that you'd have to tie a professional athlete down to not be able to play on this stage. Uh, as far as his uh, capabilities, once he does play, uh, I certainly don't think you could expect 100% from him. Um, but again, I'm going to operate on our conversation here today that if he's back and he plays and he's going to get stronger as the series go on, that having Giannis back for the bulk of the games at, let's say, 80% is about a realistic expectation for the series. Yeah, I believe the same thing because I definitely don't think Giannis would ever want to miss the finals. And even if he does have lingering knee issues, if it's not serious enough where it's like something ACL related, I think they'll try to get him to play and the trainers will will push him to play. But if Giannis doesn't play, do you think the team has a good shot of winning still against the Suns team or no? Well, I think they have a shot. You said good, and I definitely don't think they have a good shot. Um, But I've been impressed with what they've been able to do without him. I mean, obviously, it starts with Drew Holiday. Um, You know, how he's picked up his game has been amazing. But even uh, Brooke Lopez, I don't expect him to shoot 14 of 18 in any game again like he did uh, uh, in the previous series. Um, But he's finding his mojo a little bit in terms of becoming more of a consistent offensive threat. Middleton is a star. I mean, a lot of people don't know him outside of Milwaukee, but Middleton is a legitimate star. So Holiday and Lopez, I do think, gives them a puncher's chance. But definitely not a good chance. Phoenix is too is too tough. But it's still worth watching the series, at least the first three games, even if Giannis wouldn't play. Yeah, I'll, it will definitely be interesting to see whether they'll be able to steal a game in Phoenix, which definitely I think will be a huge key if they could do that and then go back to Milwaukee, especially if Giannis decides like not to play in those first two games. And then if they could steal one and then get him back to save him for later in the series, that could like shift a lot of momentum towards them like being with their fans like especially now that fans are here so now we actually do have home court advantage unlike inside the bubble and it will definitely impact whether like drew holiday and middleton will be able to play at like their all-star or like all defensive team level every game like it can't just be like oh like we scored 12 but Giannis gets 30 so we'll be fine we're still gonna win Yeah. Well, I, I've always felt that when when secondary stars have to step up their game like they did against Atlanta, it only benefits the team even when the star does return. Uh, so this everything that's happened at this point can be viewed as a positive, but we need Giannis to play. 
Yeah, kind of like what happened with the Clippers with once Kawhi went out, like they won against the Jazz and like they did pretty well against the Suns, which shows Kawhi that they can be a good team. So I guess the Bucks are just going to have to try to do their best to do the same. So what will you be looking for the Bucks to execute for them to have like a good chance of winning during the game, like with adjustments and stuff? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm interested, and this goes on both sides, but we'll start with the Bucks. Um, their defense. I mean, they were the, they're the number one ranked defense in the playoffs heading into, and they were top five defensive team all season long. Um, but the way they play the pick and roll, now we all know Chris Paul, we'll get to him, I'm sure, is a master at the pick and roll. But the way they play, they drop. They drop back um, instead of rushing hard out there to prevent the three. And I, I, I came across a stat, it's not mine, don't trust me, but I did read it online, that during the regular season, the Phoenix Suns shot the most mid-range, made the most mid-range jumpers at the highest percent. And Milwaukee, as good of a defense as they were in the regular season and in the playoffs, they gave up the second most mid-range shots uh, at the second highest field goal percentage. So you've got the team, they're basically the best at doing it against the team that's the worst doing it. And if they continue to play that style of defense, Chris Paul and Booker are going to have a field day because nobody can pull up on a dime and drop those 15 to 17 footers like those two can consistently. So that's something I'll be watching from a defensive standpoint because we, we expect Milwaukee to play good team defense, but that might be one area that the Suns exploited. Yeah, that's a really interesting stat since that's where Booker and Chris Paul have like, that's where they get a good amount of their shots is they'll start driving and then they'll pull right back, especially if they get a good pick and roll situation against a guy like Brooke Lopez that maybe not be able to defend that. They'll just like, they'll make shot after shot after shot, which could easily put the Bucks down, like down, down, down. Whereas the Bucks like to concentrate. I'll definitely be looking to see if they can get their paint game going with even without Giannis or with Giannis because Aiden is a very good defender and we've seen he's done pretty well. So it'll be interesting I, I'll definitely be looking to see if, like, they could keep up, like, scoring a lot of points in the paint because that's they're, – they're, they're only two points, which is less than three points, but that's a high, more high percentage shot. So I'll be looking to see if they can actually execute their offense to get the points that they would love to get. Right. So who will you be looking for to step up to lead the team or co-star the most? I mean, to me, lead the team the most – Again, I'm a Middleton guy. You're going to get that over the court. However long we talk, it's going to come up over the guy. I've always been a big fan of his. Um, but I really think as far as who needs to step up and who can really control the series other than Giannis or in addition to Giannis, it's Drew Holiday. I mean, you um, you know, it's so funny how things change so quickly in the NBA because there were times when they gave him that massive extension that people were saying, well, 31 years old, a point guard, you know, who relies on – you know, that that was just something that they're going to regret because they did it to impress Giannis to stay with the franchise. Um, and for the most part, I, I read a lot of stuff online that said he wasn't worthy of that massive extension. And uh, boy, is it paying dividends now because he showed you what he's all about. I mean, they're going to need him, you know, to run the team, obviously, but they're going to need his defense on Chris Paul, uh, who doesn't turn the ball over considering how much he handles it and what all that he does with it. Um and he needs to be a star. He needs to cement, you know, this is, this is what all players hope for, but, you know, uh, to cement his legacy. And if he does not play as a dominant force in this series, maybe even more than Giannis's health, that could be the biggest fact. If he just comes into the series and 17 points, seven assists, shoots 41% from the field, lets Chris Paul get to where he wants on the court, 
I really don't like the Bucks' chances. So my answer to that question, again, knowing that Middleton's going to play great and score his 25-plus and be a pain, uh, my answer to that is Drew Holiday. Yeah, I actually typed Drew Holiday, and I had him down as well. I just hope – I don't want him to become the next, like, Eric Bledsoe, who's, like – he seems, like, okay during the regular season and then, like, can't get it done. He was, like, pretty – he did, like, okay against the Hawks. Like, sometimes he had really good games and sometimes he didn't. So I think the big thing with him is just being consistently good so that, like, he gives the Bucks a real fighting chance because if Middleton's scoring that well I think I feel like he needs to match and like get them two together to create like the try to create like the whoosh, like I don't know what's the best I, I gotta tell you you know we're doing a podcast together when there's the obligatory Eric Bledsoe bashing <laughs> uh, for, for a guy who's not really known a lot in NBA circles he really seems to get one of our attention every time we do a podcast it seems like there's always a dig in Eric Bledsoe's direction yeah or when you call Brooke Lopez a wet sock the one time we were oh. together. <laughs> Even though I was, he was hoping on you would bring that up, considering he's coming off the two best games probably of his season, uh, that you wouldn't remind me of that. But yes, I did say that. Yeah, but they both were on the all-defensive team, so it would right. be interesting to see their matchups against the Suns, which we're going to get into now. Now we're going to move on to the Suns. So on the Suns' end of it, what will you be looking for the Suns to execute for them to have a chance to win? Well, again, you know, what I always look for in when these series matchups go is the third play. And it doesn't always have to be who scores the most points or but just the you know, so we know, obviously, as Chris Paul and Booker go, so do the Suns. But Aiton is really impressive. You've already mentioned him once. Uh, his play, he stepped it up, uh, becoming, you know, really what that team needs is, a, you know, a dependable, you know, 13 and 8 guy, you know, who can play defense. But it's interesting. He obviously uh, played Jokic tough in their series, but he has not played a high level of center so far in these playoffs. I mean, you know, you, uh, other than Jokic, uh, he had Drummond and he had um, uh, Zubik uh, as as who he was his primary defending and that's not going to that's not going to work in this that's not going to be nobody's making Burke Lopez be the guy who used to score 25 points but you know what a wily veteran Burke Lopez is you know whether it's you know shooting at the three point line um, you know whether it's you know sneaking in for an offensive rebound using his body positioning himself Aiton's going to have to play smart stay out of foul trouble so He's going to be the guy that I let. Not that they need him to score 20 points or anything like that, but we all know that the Bucks can go small, which means Giannis could be the five. Well, do you like your chances with eight on the, all those pick and rolls where the biggest player on the court is Giannis? Uh, he's going to have to play smart. Uh, he's going to have to guard people smaller than him. So, and he still, you know, he still want him to deliver that 13 and eight that you come to expect from him. So he is the key player for the Suns that I'll be looking at how he matches up in the series. Yeah, for me, I'm more looking at, like, basically everybody but those three guys, more of, like, the Cameron Paynes, the McCall Bridges, the Dre Crowder, the Jay Crowder, because you saw during that Clippers game when, like, everybody's firing on all cylinders, like, you can't stop them, like, they have a, I think they have a very good, like, supporting cast they've already got, so I'll definitely be looking more for the supporting cast to do well, because you can see when they're scoring well, they win games, if you're just... Like, the one game Booker and CP3 weren't doing well against the Clippers, the supporting cast didn't help, so they didn't win. So, we, if we're assuming that Booker and CP3 are doing well, if they both score at, let's say, like, 20 points, 40 points doesn't win you a game. You need all the extra points. So, I'll be looking for the supporting cast to actually support and to do what they've been. There's a reason why they were the number two team. It's not just because of those two guys. They also had a very good backup to them. Yeah. Well, I, I look at the Suns' wing situation. You you mentioned the names as kind of moving parts, meaning 
if one of their shots is on, then he's going to be the guy who plays 33 minutes instead of 24 minutes. Um, and, you know, obviously they need to throw as many bodies as Giannis and Middleton as they can throw. Uh, so I think defense is more important than offense for those guys. And they'll roll with whichever one has their shot going in any given game. Yeah, that's a really good point since, like, obviously the Suns are a very good offensive team, but the defensive end is also very important against guys that love to go into the paint and love to shoot from three. So you have to cover, like, both ends of the spectrum. So it'll be interesting to see if they'll be able to, like, step up, which I think they can do. I think they could do it on both ends of the floor. It'll be, I'll be curious to see how CP3 will defend Drew Holiday, which we'll get to later. But going into CP3 and Booker, who do you think will take over more often, CP3 or Booker? Or like, who would you th- who would you like rather have take over the game? If you'd asked me that question two weeks ago, I would probably have said Booker. I mean, I I expected. I'm not actually surprised. I expected this to be Booker's coming out party. I mean, he's also been criticized as a guy. Uh, up until this year, scoring empty points, you know, scoring 28 points a game on Phoenix, but them not winning more than 20 games and nobody, you know, seeing him play in any important games. Yeah, like and he, I expected, he scored 70 points that one game against the Celtics oh, yeah. and they lost. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to bring up a bad Celtics memory for you, but uh, no, it's a good um, one. We won that game. You did that win was the, the game, point. But, they uh, won. Yeah, he, but... he had fun at your team's expense a little bit, but uh, yes. Um, so that's how I viewed Booker. But of course, I knew he was better than that. And I knew he just needed a better supporting cast and the opportunity. And he's doing that. Um, but Chris Paul, I, I, I hate to take the obvious cliche answer, but he really does look like a man on a mission. I mean, he really looks as if he will not let that team lose. And, you know, that's I didn't think that was his role on the team, really. I mean, when he came in, I thought it was to be the table setter, the the, the, the dependable veteran and all of those types of things. But I think we're seeing a different Chris Paul. And I think he realizes, you know, with, you know, uh, obviously some star teams, you know, LeBron James getting a year of rest and the, obviously the Nets situation, that this may be the one and last chance for him to go through that door. Uh, so for that reason, who do I expect to, 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 you know, maybe take the big shot, control things? Uh, I really do think things are going to run through Chris Paul. And I, I'm telling you, that's a that's a surprise answer for me than what I would have said two or three weeks ago. Yeah, in my opinion, I feel like before his COVID absences and everything, I would have said CB3, and then I shifted to Booker once they were, like, doing well without him. But now I feel like I've moved back, especially after watching Game 6, and he scored 41 points. And how he, like, that fourth quarter was amazing, how they just, like, swept it all up and, like, finished it, and how he just finished the job. So I think CP3 will is, as you said, he's a man on the mission, and he's definitely the point god, as most people say. So yes. I would definitely, and he is the point guard, so it should run through him, even though, right. it, and he should be getting Booker the shots, or like he should be getting right. other people the shots. I don't, that's not really Booker's more responsibility in the sense of like what a point guard actually does and what his job does. <laughs> But I also think it's great for any team when you when we're having this argument or this discussion that two people have the capability to step up that you trust. So that's never a bad thing because as we've seen from this entire playoffs, injuries happen, tweaks and foul trouble and everything else. So the fact that the Suns have two players playing at this high of a level at this time of year, it can only help them obviously. Yeah. So going back to their like Western Conference Finals, they celebrated a lot after their game and they were criticized a lot about it because we've seen like especially talking about Kobe, like Kobe's teams would like never celebrate usually after that because they're always like shooting for a title. So is celebrating too early a bad thing or should you keep your eye on the prize? Great question. Really great question. And it's a great question because I kind of have two different answers, but uh, 
I, I don't necessarily, I would like to see a team kind of act in a more professional manner, meaning just, all right, we, our work's not done yet, and let's, you know, bring our lunch pail to the next series. But you can almost expect it and understand it in the case of the Suns, meaning you've got probably the longest tenured NBA veteran who's been without a title, who the whole world is probably rooting for at this point, you know, getting to this milestone and be on the doorstep. You can understand not only he being happy, but his teammates around him being happy that they got there. And then the rest of the roster is so young, right? This is all new to them. They're having fun. And, you know, what? they've celebrated like this during the regular season and during some of the earlier rounds of the playoffs. So it's what they do, right? So that's why I'm saying I expect it. It hasn't, you know, you know, as, as the opponents have gotten tougher for them, it hasn't hurt them any. They've continued to advance, obviously. So I don't look at it as a negative. Um, I do think that the Bucks are more workmanlike in terms of, you know, they understand that, hey, we've had the best record in the entire NBA for two seasons. What did it get us, right? So they're a little bit got more of their eye on the prize there uh, of what they're really playing for. The Suns don't. But I don't take that as a negative meaning, oh, that's going to come back to bite them in the end. I mean, I, they're young, they're youthful, they're exuberant, and that's fine. They still play at a high level. They don't turn the ball over. So I don't expect any carryover from that. Yeah, I saw, like, some people were saying with, like, the, like, why it is okay is because they do have a lot of time to rest. It's not like they're starting, like, how the Bucks are literally starting, like, two days later. So they need to stay more relaxed and be like, okay, we have, like, a game in a couple of days. Whereas the Suns had time to rest, like, they have time to regroup. And they would have had even more time if the Bucks-Hawks um, series went seven but ended up going six. And honestly, it was just, like, nice to see, like, Chris Paul and Monty Williams were, like, really happy for each other. Like, they started in New Orleans, and they were so excited. It was kind of weird, like, how it all ended up working out that Chris Paul, like, made it to his first finals in the Clippers stadium, which was kind of weird in that sense. (laughs) (laughs) And how he was, like, thanking people from the Clippers, which, like, usually doesn't happen. It was so sad that both of the series ended up, like, the winners won in, like, another stadium, which always sucks. Like, you never want that. Right, 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 right. right. somewhat awkward in, like, that you're cheering in another person, like, at somebody's expense and all these fans' expense. But I I, I do think you should keep your eye on the prize, but celebrating is also nice, too. I guess I started that same too that I feel was my team i might prefer they go out that way but uh and generally speaking away but you're saying you would but I, I don't know where you stand so you're saying you're okay you understand it in this dynamic or no you in this situation yes for the books they should not be celebrating because they were they've blown it a lot more but for the suns okay. like this is their a lot of the like with chris paul and everything i feel like it was just a different right. situation okay. like they've never okay, and all these guys have never been there before which sure. the Bucks were too, sure. but they've been really close. Like the Suns have like not been close since like I think it was like nineteen nineties. <laughs> so not in yeah, the anti close. So yeah, yes. not in the two thousands. So <laughs> I think for this situation, it was okay. <laughs> but most of the time, yeah, no, okay. you have to keep your eye on the prize because that's very good. No, nobody really because you're still going to get criticized if you don't win the finals. <laughs> that's right. that's where it counts. Nobody cares about right. second place. Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who will you be looking to step up to lead the most for the Suns? Well, again, to lead the most, I think, is kind of goes hand in hand with what we already talked about, who will take over and go through with the Suns. I, again, I, I think it's, it's it, it, you know, <laughs> they really have a, a one and one A there. Um, I, I, what I would expect, Lindsay, I'll say it this way maybe, is I wouldn't be surprised when we look back if the series goes six or seven games, that half the games, it was a Chris Paul game, and half the game was a book because I really think that's I don't think that you know they're going to need Booker to score some forty point games right and they're going to need Chris Paul to make some good decisions down the stretch of the close ones so 
I think when we look back on the series, we'll say, oh, that was a Chris Paul game, or oh, that was a Devin Booker game. And I really, you know, and that's fine. That's okay. There are other teams who win that way. So uh, I, I'm not going to say that I expect one to do it at the expense of the other. I think they're both capable of doing it, and I think they both will do it at some point. Okay, so now next up, we're going to get into some key matchups that we have going on. Giannis will not be included in these, so sorry if you wanted us to mention that. But if he is playing, I think he'll dominate him, and I think we know that. So first, we're going to get into Holiday versus Chris Paul. So who do you think will do better in this ma- matchup on either the defensive end or offense, or just like overall, you could say whatever? I think it's a great matchup. I'm, I'm imagining we're going to do uh, Middleton and Booker next, which to me is, you know, I could talk about that one for three hours. Um, but these two, these two matchups are great. I mean, they're obviously when you get to this level of the playoffs, the championship, right? Um, Chris Paul, uh, you know, we all, I, again, we all know what he's all about. He's smart with the basketball, you know, rarely makes mistakes, always finds the open person and holiday who again is just starting to really get the do that he has been a really, really fine player, uh, who's now been asked to do more and step up. I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, we're talking about two, a-level players that are all both going to have their moments. I don't think one's going to have it at the expense of the other. Um, but what I what I do like is um, Drew Holiday, you know, who competes, you know, hard on both ends of the court. And now, again, not saying, you know, Chris Paul has been an all-time steals leader, right? Obviously a key defensive category. But I do think at this point in his career, Chris Paul gets his breathers on the defensive side, if you will. You know, meaning, I mean, look, the guy can't, you know, operate that high octane offense and then lay it out on defense all the time. So I think you take advantage of Chris Paul's age a little bit on that side. Drew Holiday, on the other hand, plays just as hard on the defensive side at all times as he does on the offensive side. So that's what I'll kind of be looking at is, is does he tire out Chris Paul? Do we see Chris Paul looking a little, maybe a little tired late in games or late in the series in games five, six, and seven of a closed series because of just what, you know, a dog uh, Drew Holiday can be on the defensive end. That, that, that's really what I, where I think kind of like differentiates. Otherwise, I think they're both going to run their teams at an extremely high level. Um, I think I expect them both to play, you know, well, I don't think we're going to look back and say, wow, he really underperformed in this series. Um, but the, the, what I'll be looking for in the matchup again is, is there a fatigue factor of Drew Holiday, you know, wearing Chris Paul down late in 40 minutes of games and obviously later in the series. So that's where I think, otherwise I think they're going to put up the stats that we've come to expect from both of them. Yeah, I um, I know that Drew Holiday is, like, a great defender at everything, but Chris Paul is, like, the king of the pick-and-roll, which that's going to be, like, my thing. Like, if Chris Paul can get in his pick-and-roll game, then, he, like, he's going to, um, like, blow Drew Holiday out of the way. Because, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> because well, I, we're, we're on back the defensive to, not, to interrupt you, not, not, yeah, not to interrupt you, but we're back to what I said earlier about how the Bucks defend the pick-and-roll, because I think if the sons have their way with the pick and roll obviously we understand it all starts and ends with chris paul but i think it'll be a little bit above how the bucks as a team decide to do as opposed to drew holiday and if drew holiday gets picked now it's up to how the team decides to handle chris paul and so i do think i I don't disagree at all actually i agree quite a bit but i think that'll be more of a you know coach and team philosophy on how they deal with it versus you know uh, listen we all know that drew holiday is going to run into about a million pick and rolls uh right for the next seven you know next seven games and you know it's going to be up to the other you know those slow-footed Brooke lopez right Giannis, if he's out there about how the team tries to slow down chris paul when that happens yeah like whether they 
I think definitely, like, the Bucks should try to not switch as much as possible because you want to keep Drew Holiday on Chris Paul and you want to keep, like, all the best defenders with them. Because if Booker, like, if Booker gets somebody or, if, like, if any player, any of, like, the top scorers get um, a not-as-good defender, then they're just going to, like, have a field day and just go score because the Suns are very good at executing their offense because of Chris Paul. So I think we'll all, I think a lot of it will come down to whether Chris Paul can get his – uh, pick and rolls going and whether Holiday will be able to actually score and be consistent on the offensive end and be able to defend at the same time. Right. Very good. Yep. You do both. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So next up we've got Middleton versus Booker, who I know you're excited to talk about. So what do you think well, again, on either end? I love both I love both of these players. I've been huge fans of both of them. I thought again the criticism that Booker's got in the past was totally unwarranted. And, you know, again, I don't Middleton. I mean, it, one thing is his game doesn't command a lot of attention right nationally and you know, with all the other stars. And he was obviously what we call a late bloomer um, yeah, uh, in his career. But the fact that he also then plays in a small market like Milwaukee doesn't do him any favors either. But people don't realize how good he is. And I guess what I'm saying, what the reason I set it up that way is I really think that Booker is an MVP talent. Uh, you know, there's certain things he can and can't do um, that he can be criticized for, but I, I, I think the world of him. But this matchup is much closer in my mind than it would be to most NBA fans because that's how much I think of Middleton. And and obviously, you know, some of that is stats. Uh, Booker has the ball in his hands. You know, it, you know, the offense runs through him, even though Chris Paul is the orchestrator of it all. But with Middleton, you know, if Giannis is anything less and, and more more goes to Middleton. Um, I, you know, I think you'll see some stats that arrival Booker's. Um, it's a close matchup. Um, uh, I think Middleton competes a little bit better on the defensive end than Booker. So if those two are facing each other a lot of time, I think the edge goes to the Bucks in that case. Um, I expect Middleton to have a great – I really don't think we'll be sitting here uh, two weeks from now and Middleton average 17.9 points on 40% shooting. We say, oh, okay, it was a little, the moment was too big for him. I think this is time to shine. So, again, I look at this as people will say a huge edge. I think the reaction for most people is huge edge for the Suns. I look at it as almost even Steven. And, again, I look at Middleton making uh, Booker work harder for his points than Booker will for Middleton. Yeah, you think very highly of Chris Middleton. I've never seen you talk so much of, about him. When somebody helps me win a fantasy title, which Middleton did back, I won't even tell you how many years ago, but when he was just a run-of-the-mill, like, 17-game point scorer, he, uh, I drafted him late, he was great for me, and I told him I would never forget him, and I would always sing his praises, and that's what I'm doing now. But he really, Lindsay, he really is a, is a, a very underappreciated player in my book. Yeah, you usually don't, especially when you have a guy like Giannis on your team, you, like, you don't really hear as much about, like, his stuff because they're both, like, very different players. Obviously, they're built different. They do different things. Middleton's more the shooter. Giannis stays away from, uh, hopefully, he'll stay away from the three-point line. <laughs> yeah, 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 hopefully, yes. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I honestly, like, based off of what you're saying, I think it's a lot more even than maybe I was thinking. I was thinking more Booker, but based on a lot of the points you're making, it seems a lot more even because I definitely think Middleton could be a good defender on Booker. Like, they're, I feel like they're, pretty similar in like build and everything even and Booker's not as much focused on defensive end so I think Middleton may be able to get the shots he want and maybe it is more well, even than it, I thought 
Well, again, and I, I want to be fair. I mean, I, I do, I really, I'm a Middleton guy, but I would just say quickly, I mean, we all, we all know that it's much more important for Booker to score 33 a game than it is for Middleton to score 23 a game, right? Um, so I, 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 that's, a, that's a factor, right? Because there's more pressure, there's more expectations on Booker. And he has to meet them. If Chris Middleton did average, you know, I mean, he's been averaging 20 plus, uh, obviously, with Giannis being out. But if Chris Middleton, went, you know, was averaged 18 points for the series, the Bucks could still win, right? Uh, if Booker averages 21, I think they'd be hard-pressed for the Suns. I mean, if, 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 if the series goes seven games and Booker only averaged 21, I don't think the Suns are winning that series. So I recognize that one's expected to do more than the other, that they're not on the same level that way. But um, I'm just saying that I do think that the NBA world is being introduced to Middleton, and I don't expect him to disappoint uh, on the brightest stage. And we'll see if I'm right. If, if my, that prediction is anything like my preseason predictions that you had me come out, I may be my words in about two weeks from now. But honestly, if Giannis isn't playing, I think Middleton will have to score the same amount as Booker does. So I feel like it goes both ways. But remember, we're operating under Giannis will, will play. play. But yes, I, I, do, I do agree with that, Lindsay. Yeah, so... And then next, lastly, we've got Aiden versus Lopez, which is more of an interesting matchup because I feel like they're definitely very different. But Lopez is more the veteran experience where Aiden's very new. He was literally drafted in 2018. And I, I saw a stat that apparently he's like one of the fastest, like first picks to ever make it to the finals in like the last like 20 oh. years or something, yeah. which is pretty <laughs> quick if you start in 2018. So yeah. how do you feel about like these two, which are pretty different going against each other? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, obviously, uh, um, I'm a I'm a bigger Aiton guy normally than, than Brooke Lopez at this point in his career. Um, what worries me, though, is, I mean, I, I don't trust uh, Aiton's decision-making all the time, meaning, um, and I don't mean, obviously, the ball's never in his hands, but I mean from a decision-making, you know, when to when to have a foul underneath. You know, say if you got, you've got two fouls with, you know, four minutes to go before halftime, maybe you let that layup go instead of committing another foul. Um, you know, how he decides to defend somebody when he's left on an island on a pick and roll. Um, you know, uh, maybe getting a technical at a bad spot, right? Those types of things. I, I, I don't, tr- whereas Brooke Lopez is, 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 you know, 30 plus year old limitations are obvious, but he rarely makes a mistake out there, right? He gets himself in position, you know, he's not gonna, he's not a rebounder, right? Giannis next him, get grabs every rebound, so you don't need him for that. Can he, you know, operate on the three-point line? Can he make his shots? Can he, uh, um, you know, sneak in for that sneaky offensive rebound? Can he get a foul out of somebody? Uh, I have a lot of respect for him in that way. Um, I do expect when this series is over, unlike the other two, where I basically didn't give you much of an answer either way, I thought that they are both very evenly matched up. I expect when the series is over for us to look back and see Aiton, Aiton outperforms uh, Lopez in this series. I do think this favors the Suns, and I do think it's, an, as I said before when you asked me, an important matchup if the Suns are going to go on to win the series that Aiton outplays uh, Lopez for the series, and I think that he will. Yeah, I definitely think Lopez could definitely get the high numbers. We saw he got 33 in Game 5, which was like definitely more of a rare occurrence for him. But we've seen he can do it if he wants to. And like, But that game also was like, I'm, that was like, I'm pretty sure that was the blowout game they had where it was like, it was very bad. So I don't know if that's really a testament to his actual gameplay or that they were winning by a lot and they were doing very well. Well, I think he's the guy that, has to step up a little bit. I mean, again, I think Middleton and Holiday, if Giannis doesn't play or if he's limited, if he's on a minute restriction, <laughs> that's, so that's it. Why can't right. he just play? That's, right. 
right? Lopez is the guy because he's going to have to rebound more to make up for those 14 or 15 rebounds that aren't being corralled. Uh, and Lopez, that pressure goes to Lopez to not just be out there and be a smart, wily veteran, but to actually put up numbers. Yeah, because Giannis can, like, it's like having another center on the floor at the same time, whereas, like, Bobby Portis is very different, who was his replacement in the power forward position, which, like, I don't, there's not really positions anymore because Giannis could be a center if he wanted to without right, Lopez. Right, right. So it's right. very confusing sometimes. It's like yeah. these, they're like the Twin Towers. They're both, like, really very, very tall people, yeah. which is different right. than kind of how the Suns operate, whereas, like, their power forward is Jay Crowder, which isn't the same kind of guy as a Giannis. So... It's like very on the defensive end, like for either team could be very confusing with how like they have a lot bigger, they go more on the bigger end, the Bucks, whereas the Suns go a little bit smaller, not including DeAndre Aiden. Okay. So, which coach do you think will be able to adjust better this year? Like, who do you think is going to outcoach the other? I like both coaches. Um, uh, uh, but I, I really think that uh, Monty Williams has pushed the right buttons and more of the buttons. Now, I know that that might be a controversial or maybe people could take issue with that statement because of all of uh, the injury, you know, Giannis's, you know, disapp- you know disappearance or not being available. Um, that, you know, obviously now the Bucks have to do things they haven't been doing all season or haven't done for the last couple of seasons. And so obviously who gets the credit for that? The coach putting everybody in the right position. So that's great. And that's wonderful. But I do think that Monty Williams to me has that team, you know, I mean, they've, they've really not faced a lot of adversity and you might say, well, okay, but that means how could you have more faith in him? But I think that the NBA playoffs are all about matchups and going into series. What are we going to exploit? Uh, and obviously, he had to play without Chris Paul for some some, some games. Um, but I, what I think, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that uh, the Suns have went in with great game plans against all of their opponents thus far, um, to the point where they you know they didn't need to win the last two games of a series, right? You know, down three to two. It's come. It, 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 they've done it without really much uh, problem. So. I give the you know Monty and the coaching staff a lot of credit for that, and I think it's going to continue in terms of uh, I have a little bit more faith in his ability going into the series, especially with the uncertainty around Giannis, of him having a game plan that's going to exploit the opponent's weakness. Even though I think Boonholzer is going to lose his job if they don't win the championship, as I mentioned in my last podcast. No coach has been fired on Twitter more than boot holes of this whole season even though yeah i do believe that he will get fired he will maybe eventually get fired in the next coming years or i thought he was gonna get fired because i thought they were gonna lose that net series when they were down 0-2 i was like okay he's he's gonna be out soon there's gonna be a sweep or something but they kept pushing even though but he's been working on adjustments like all season long people have been talking about how this season they wanted to focus more on like making better lineups because like before they were kind of just like cruising through the regular season and then tanking in the playoffs so this season they've been focusing a lot more on like working on different lineups and seeing what's working that's why I said earlier that even though the Suns were playing Milwaukee and they lost those games they've made a lot of adjustments since then and figured out what works and what doesn't so they've been doing that all season yeah I probably hold against you know Bud Holzer was obviously the coach of the Hawks all those years they ran into my Cavs with LeBron James and they could never topple them, right? Even though they had some good regular seasons, but they were never the better team. So I try not to hold that against them because even though you know people point to that and say, "Oh, in a big playoff series, he can't get his teams over," they weren't the better team. Um, were they the better team the last couple of years in the Eastern Conference? And uh, you know, 
should he have gotten back, you know, further? Uh, that's much more of a fair criticism of him. Um, but he's done what he can do without his star player this year, and he'll rewrite the narrative. Uh, I, I'm not so sure I agree with you that he'll be fired automatically. Uh, again, without Giannis, you know, getting past uh, the, uh, the, the the mighty Nets, um, I think probably buys him another year, maybe not more, any more than that. But uh, it'll be interesting if your prediction on that front uh, comes true. Yeah, I said, like, during the Nets series, I thought he'd be fired, even though I still think he could be potentially fired. But making it to the finals, I feel like it's hard to fire a yeah. guy right after making it to the finals. It's a little... Yeah, especially, especially in Milwaukee, a city that has not had a lot of big-time success. How do you... Uh, you know, this is not the Lakers, not the Celtics, where they have high expectations each and every season. Uh, you know, he probably bought him. You know, he'd probably pay another year on his mortgage before he might have to move. Yeah, he did definitely, like, calmed it down a little by, even if, I feel like even if, the, but a lot could come down to whether they win or not, whether the, he may keep his dog for a little bit longer or not, because Bucks fans <laughs> have been waiting a long time since 1970 <laughs> to make yes, it to these finals. Yes. So we'll find out if they capitalize on that. So... Do you think there will be anyone we don't expect who will contribute, like any like secret people that could like end up playing really well in the playoffs that you would say? Well, again, I think um, uh, Mikhail uh, Bridges from uh, Phoenix is what I would call an X factor in the series from this standpoint. You know, because he's just the perfect size to match up with the wings from Milwaukee. He's going to get a lot of court time, right? And he's got the perfect body. Youth, you know, he, he he's going to be he's a defensive presence, uh, and they're going to need that, which means he's going to be on the court a lot, and he's going to be on the court with one of the greatest point guards the sport has ever seen. So, does that mean that you know one day you talked earlier about his, his three is falling, right? You know, his three and D uh, as a three and D player, his shot is falling on a given game, and you look and you say. Uh, Bridges went for 27, uh, you know, and, you know, on a day when Booker's shot wasn't falling or whatever. So I see that being on both teams, the, a guy that I, I wouldn't be surprised if a game or two, um, we look back at a series and say, boy, they really needed his contributions on that game. So he's going to be my off the radar, off the radar candidate for both teams that we might look back on and say made a difference. Yeah, I think that's a good one, even though, does he start? I never, I, I never, I feel like he's sort of in and out sometimes. Again, you know, that team, you know, and this is what I said about Monty, they play matchups about as much as any team in the league, you know, other than their three, they, you know, they, they can go a lot of different ways. He has started the majority of games this season, but as I said, I think any of those, you know, Jay, any of those guys can be ticketed for a 40-minute game if their shots are falling, because you know the defense has come with all those guys. The defense is there, right? The, they're going to bring the defense. So, you know, it's just a matter of when Chris Paul sets them up and their opportunity shines because they're going to be the one that the, the Bucks try to, you know, Jay Crowder, all of those guys are going to be the one area where you're going to try to cheat off of them if you can, and whichever one is getting hot is the one that be behind. So, again, I'm a Bridges guy, uh, and I think that, you know, regardless of the starting status, that he's a guy that may have some big games. Because I also think he's a pretty dependable shooter. Um, you know, maybe more so than the stats. You know, rely out. So yeah, I think this might be coming from my Celtics brain, but I think Jay Crowder could do pretty well. He did score 19 in Game Six, and he does have playoff experience. He made it to the finals last season with the Heat, so he does have playoff experience, which is something that the not many players on the Suns do have. So I think that he has more playoff, ex he has more finals experience than Chris Paul does. So yeah. if that says anything. Well, I'll, I'll answer your question another way too. Is I also feel like the Suns have many, many, many more candidates 
who even Cam Johnson, a lot more candidates of guys who could surprise you, who could, oh, you yeah, know. Oh, yeah, Cameron uh, Payne, he had, like, when right. CP3 was out, he scored, like, 29 points, and, like, everybody's right. like, oh, my gosh, look, right. we have a replacement. Where, <laughs> whereas the role players for the Bucks, you know, guys like P.J. Tucker, who plays every game, but, you know, you, any points he gives you are, you know, almost like winning the lottery. Yeah, like scoring uh, five points, yes. Right, and, and Portis, you know, not his last couple of games notwithstanding, I don't have a lot of faith in big spots, so. I don't. I don't see a lot of players on the Bucks with the ability to give you that unexpected twenty-one and ten showing to lead them to a game. Whereas I think there are a few more pe- uh, people littering the um, uh, the Suns roster who are capable of that kind of performance. Yeah, I think for the Bucks, my only pick would be Bobby Portis because he did score twenty-two in Game Five and twelve in Game Six without like replacing Giannis. Right. So right. we'll see if he can like I put make an his way to the to rotation. And by the way, there was a time when I wanted the Cavs to draft Bobby Portis. So again, I, I feel like I'm every player's fan today. I'm, I'm saying how many of these players I love, but uh, I actually kind of like Portis a little bit. But I do put an asterisk next to those performances when not only are you thrust into the starting lineup unexpected, you know, which is not usually the case. But the guy who handles the ball on the team is the one that's out of the lineup, which means that other people are going to get opportunities and have the ball in their hands more. Those were, and if he goes back to really, and again, that's what our assumption is here, goes back to playing more of a reserve role, I'm not counting on those type of, you know, difference-making performances. Okay, so you're against my pick? Or are you? <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying against it. I'm saying that I really think... If Less you said likely. Me, pick, pick three players in the series off the radar... In my opinion, they all come from the Sun side. Yeah. None of them come from the Buck side. Like I, I just be very surprised if anybody on that whole roster, you know, if PJ Buck, Tucker scores nineteen, um, I, you know, I have to eat my words again. But uh, I, don't, I just don't think the Bucks are built that way. They got to get the production from who they are. Whereas the Suns maybe are going to get some from other people. Mm-hmm. So talking about scoring, who do you think will be the leading scorer of the finals? Like from overall. That's a good question. I mean, again, if we're operating under our Giannis is going to play. I think play even majority. if Giannis does play, I would pick someone else. Well, and again, I'm going. I say I was going to say with the 80% majority of games, I think the only two answers you could say are uh, Giannis and Booker. And for me, I'm going to go Booker. I, I you know, I've, I've already, you know, I'll try to keep this one brief because I've already, I just think that this is his coming out party on a, on a, on a big time scale. Uh, the uncertainty of Giannis's injury, as much as I like Middleton, let's say if Giannis didn't play yeah, a minute so in the sad. series. You didn't pick Middleton. What happened? Well, I was going to say, if, if, you know, maybe your Bobby Portis will score so many points, just 22 points, it doesn't leave a lot for Middleton. But, uh, um, I would say if uh, even if Giannis didn't play in the series, that the way that the Bucks are built, you know, I could see Middleton upping his game even further from the 24 and the 25 we're seeing up into the maybe 27. However, Booker's is is a legitimate 28 plus, and I think again he's averaging 28. I think coming into the series, and I expect it to be more in the finals. So, uh, so I think that answer is relatively simple, and saying Booker is the Vegas prohibitive choice in that category i feel like my three-man race is like middleton chris paul and booker for like who i would bet on and so so you put chris paul in there because again i I, again middleton's fine but chris paul you really think he's going to have that kind of scoring output yeah even though i I think maybe he'll be a a little more tensitive in like more the first half and then he'll like if he's and then he'll pull it out in the second half like he's done in many games like he did against the clippers 
especially in game six when they did win that game. So I would put Chris Paul in the conversation as well. Very interesting. I, and again, I'll say this about Chris Paul, uh, that I think it's more important like when he scores his points about how many he'll score. Meaning, you know, we talked about who's going to take over. Chris Paul was sitting on a 12-point game, but then unleashed 16 in the final 10 minutes of a close game, right? That type of performance. So, um, whereas Booker has to, you know, get off the team bus and start scoring, you know, when they're still selling popcorn in the stands. Or he's uh, not getting you know, back on his, the plane. <laughs> right, that's his role, whatever. I think Chris Paul's points, we're going to see a common front. You know, not even just fourth quarter, but like, how about this? How about when they're a 10-0 run by the Bucks, right? And the Bucks go up by six after a 10-0 run. Chris Paul's like, I got to take over now. I can't. You know, nobody else is doing it. That's where he scored. So he's going to score his points when they're needed because of the veteran leadership. Um, but again, not necessarily. I don't see him this being a, you know, a 27 plus point series for him. Yeah, like Chris Paul has had like his couple games, like he scored 30, he scored 41. But like yep. Booker's been like consistently scoring in very high numbers. So if you right. go based off of what the stats have shown so far, and like if you added up the numbers, I right. bet Booker has more points so far compared sure. to Chris. But I, but I do I do expect Chris Paul to have baseline of nine assists per game. You know those steals, which we all know he's one of the all time leading steals guys in the league. You know whereas you know in the regular season he probably one point three, one point four. I could see it being you know one point nine and above. I mean I, everything's going to be raised Chris Paul. I mean, this I'm expecting MVP type numbers, but maybe not as much in scoring as you seem to, to indicate. Yeah, I feel like if you add up all the points he affects, including assists right. and points scored, right. it would be right. like right. a lot. It would be a of lot. Course. Of it. Yeah. But I also, I also feel steals are in there too. Because obviously, if you turn the other team over, they don't get a chance to score, and it gives you an extra possession. So that's also very important in this, and that, and that's an area where uh, Paul uh, contributes much more than Booker, for say. Mm -hmm. So we finally made it to the end. So after all of this talk, all your Middleton love, all your Booker <laughs> love, who do you think is going to win? You can make your prediction with Giannis or without Giannis, or if you do, if you think it even matters. Right. So Lindsay, I'll say this really quickly. Um, how many predictions did we do in our preseason uh, prediction this year? I mean, like, I don't don't go back and look at anything, but I mean, what did we have? Eight, ten categories, maybe? Of yeah, we did win like all MVP, the award. Right? We did all the awards, right. and then we picked who was going to win and who would get like finals MVP right. or whatever. And the only one that I nailed correctly, I won't talk about your success. I only talk about my own. But the only one I nailed correctly was Rookie of the Year. Well, that's the so, one I got too because we picked okay. the same person. <laughs> <laughs> so I love making predictions, but maybe, you know, I, I'm not going to quit my day job over my NBA predictions. But I, I this is obviously the, the $64 million question, what everybody wants to hear. Um, but this one is also where it's so much important about what Giannis's capabilities are in the series. How many games does he play? You know, not only, again, we, we keep talking about playing majority of games at 80%. But is he on a minutes restriction? Is he already comes back, but he's capped at 20. The medical staff says he can't play more than 28 minutes in a game. That's going to be a big factor. We don't know how that's going to play out. Because of all the uncertainty on that side and because of how impressed I've been with their performance thus far, I'm going to go with the Suns. I'll put the Suns in six. Um, I could easily see the series going in seven. And if Giannis really does play every single game at 90%, I totally can see the Bucks winning the series. Right, so that's what we, what's known in the prediction game as all kinds of caveats to protect myself. <laughs> I've basically given you everything, but for the for the prediction that I'll be held to when I come and visit you next preseason again, mm. uh, I will say Suns in six, 
and Chris Paul series MVP. Wow. Okay. So I know you love my bold opinions and bold predictions. So I am taking the Suns no matter what happens with Giannis, whether Giannis is not there, whether Giannis plays, whether he's, if you, if you want to go be the team doctor and find out his percentile and see if that matches your 90% and and you'll still get your prediction, that's fine too. I think the Suns are winning no matter what Giannis does, because I think they're a better overall team. Wow. Okay. Well, let me ask you this question then. Just to, that's good. I bet, did you give us a game number? I'm sorry. Did I? Oh, did I, I, I think in, I would say six probably as well. Maybe, Okay. or maybe like, I feel like I'm like teetering between five or six, but I think that the Bucks could easily get two games, but okay. I think six right. would be a good. Okay. Point. So, so what I'm hearing is that if Giannis plays all seven games, or I'm sorry, plays the entire series, doesn't miss a game, sorry, and no minutes restriction. And basically, like you say, you see very little difference out there on the court. You don't give the Bucks a you know, 0.3% chance, a 1.5% chance. You are that firmly in Team Suns. Okay, maybe like a little percentage, not okay. like zero. Right. But I think okay. that maybe, but not over 50 to win. I still think. Okay, no, and I, I, I wouldn't say over 50 either. I just want to be fair. I mean, I'm saying if we get the best Giannis there is and with no restrictions, oh, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, if we get the best Giannis ever, then obviously the Bucks I think, do have a very good chance. I just right. don't know right. if their overall team can okay. beat the Suns' overall no, team because it's very not fair. always one player. I just, very fair. Okay. Very good. Okay, so we're both on the record. It's a little bit more exciting for the listeners if we differ in some way, but I, I yeah. do think we see it. Uh, I do think we see it very similarly. Yeah, and I think the finals MVP would be Chris Paul because I feel like you just could. It's kind of like you just can't not give it to Chris Paul. It's like when LeBron yeah. James is on the team, even if Anthony Davis scores more, you give it to LeBron James. Like that's how it goes. Yeah, and, and Lindsay perfectly said. And I'll just say this: I think if 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 at the end of the series, Chris Paul's stats aren't MVP caliber, then the Suns won't win. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Like if he has a series where he misses a couple games and he scores for the series, he scores 14 points with six assists, then I don't, I can't see how the Suns win the series. So he's going to give them the numbers worthy of making him, even if they have to elevate him a little bit over a booker. Yeah, so I will go on the record saying that I have the Suns in six with CP3 getting the finals MVP, but I think the Bucks do have a fighting chance if if Giannis All is right. at 100%, 100%. But if he's not at 100%, I don't think so. If Giannis is at 100%, 100%, I give the Bucks just, and there's no way to equate this. I give them a forty percent chance to win the series. That's why, yeah. So that's I do think that the series could be that close if everybody at full strength. Um, really, it could be a classic series, really, uh, if everybody is. But it's really hard to predict that, and you know, because I'd like to get two predictions right this entire NBA season. I'm going to go with the Suns and six. <laughs> two NBA predictions. <laughs> it's a little it's not as like cool when you pick it after you know the teams <laughs> yeah <laughs> well my lakers i can't you know normally if we you know in the first round of the playoffs even though i didn't like the lakers chance i would have said to you well i gotta stay with my team that i picked at the beginning of the year but at this point when they've been around eliminated since the first round of the playoffs I can't. I can't use that. So I got to pick a new team. And as you're, it is a little easier when it's down to two. Yeah, I definitely thought that the Clippers could have easily made it to the finals as well. But without Kawhi, it's like pretty yeah. hard to still make it. Yeah, yeah I listen. The, the the key word for this year's playoffs is injuries and availability. Uh, yeah. Because you know, obviously, I still not convinced that the Nets wouldn't have won it all if they didn't have to deal with this guy in, this guy out, and all of that. So, and that's why I think that one of these teams is going to take advantage of a. 
golden opportunity here. Uh, you know, when things go back next year with full arenas from the beginning um, and, you know, teams together like the Nets for all through training camp, it's, it's you know, it's going to be the, the level of play and the, uh, what it's going to take to win a championship is going to be greater next year than this year. That's actually an interesting point you brought up. I mentioned this in my last podcast episode, which you guys can listen to right after this. Do you believe in having asterisks next to a championship? Like if if no. if these players were hurt, then like the, it, like how the Lakers won in the bubble, or how or how the Suns made it all the Never. way against teams with hurt players. You don't believe that? Never. No, I don't. I don't. You know, I just never believed that, you know, bad calls, right? I mean, there's so many things that impact this. And I also say the NBA with sprained ankles, you know, you start a playoff series and, to, you know, that, that's a factor to keep teams healthy all the way through. Um, it's just it, it, if you went back and you uh, any place you could put an asterisk, you bet it would just take the fun out of it. And I've never been a big fan of that. These, one of these teams is going to be champion and they'll be champion in my mind. And I, I think both are playing at a high level. That's what I mean. I don't think somebody squeaked here through here that doesn't deserve to be. I mean, you've got a two-time MVP on one side and you've got one of the greatest players in NBA history trying to win a championship with a young star on his side. I mean, what's, you know, what's these, these teams are totally worthy of championship caliber. So no asterisk for me. Yeah, I don't believe asterisks should be a thing just because that's what like the that's what any sports are about. It's how not getting injured. It there's al- there's always somewhat luck involved in the finals. You don't want your players to get injured, and you want to play your best basketball. And sometimes your best basketball can't happen if you have players injured. But that's just <laughs> the name of everybody in the any sport you're playing. There's a chance that somebody could get injured. Like, did anybody expect Giannis would get hurt? I expect Trey to get hurt or CP3 to have a shoulder problem or they had COVID-19. Like, both of these teams had their own problems too and they still made it to the finals and they Correct. figured it out. Correct, Like, yes. the Clippers could have easily won the first two games of the Sun series without Chris Paul, but they didn't. Right. Sure. I tell, I tell you. Absolutely. Yeah, so I don't believe that it's fair to say, oh, they didn't deserve this championship or, like, oh, like how... Like the Lakers won the bubble. Like it's all about it plays out before our eyes. If if we can't trust what we're seeing and if none of that matters, why are we watching? Thank you guys so much for listening to this special episode of the Ant One Podcast. And thank you so much to for James for coming on this episode. Make sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. That would be greatly appreciated. Our podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please rate our podcast five stars and review it so more people can listen just like you. And check out our Instagram and TikTok, both with the same username, at Ant One Podcast, ending with an S. And I'll see you guys next time. Hope you guys enjoy the NBA Finals. Bye. 